Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon, and this is the podcast where we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. Today, my guest is actor, screenwriter, Bram Hoover, and I actually was introduced by uh, Bram through um, his publicist, uh, Brandy George, over at uh, Persona PR in Beverly Hills. And I first met Brandy because of maybe a few episodes ago, um, we interviewed Jen McGowan for her film, uh, Kelly and Cal. But she also wanted me to be introduced to Bram, who just uh, co-wrote this film with his mother called 23 Blast. And it's hitting theaters October 24th, 2014 and it's a uh, it, the trailer looks really great so make sure to check out the show notes when you can so what's really cool about this particular story 23 blasts it's based off a, a true account of an experience that bram had when he was playing high school football in his very very small town of uh, corbin uh, kentucky it centers around travis freeman who is a high school football player who tragically through a, a rare infection loses his eyesight so he goes blind and how that affects his, the town and, and how it affects his, his best friend, uh, Jerry Baker, which is played by Bram Hoover. So what happens is that they help Travis learn how to play football again and how to deal with his blindness. And so it's a true story of how a high school football player loses his sight, uh, gets retrained, and is able to play football again in the in this small town. So it's one of those you know really uplifting, inspirational stories to check out. Anyhow, enough of that. Let's just get into the interview with Bram Hoover, actor and screenwriter uh, for 23 Blast. So for those who don't know you, like say we end up like you're at a party. How would somebody um, if I'm going to introduce somebody to you, like how would be the best way for me to, um, you know, give a quick bio of how you ended up being part of 23 Blast that's coming out on October 24th, both in theaters and in, on VOD. So, uh, you know, just love to hear like the quick story about, you know, your little, your, your journey. Yeah, um, I am, I grew up in Corbin, Kentucky, um, where the story takes place, 23 Blast, and I went to high school with Travis Freeman. He was a senior when I was a freshman, and uh, Travis Freeman, he is the, the, the person who the movie, um, you know, the, the story of Travis Freeman is is what 23 Blast is about. Um, so I got to experience, you know, Travis's story firsthand. <clears throat> so I moved to L.A. right after high school and, you know, hit the ground running and did small jobs here and there, acting jobs and soap operas and whatnot, TV spots. And then a few years after I had been out here, um, we came, my mom and I came up with the idea we 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 knew that Travis's story was, you know, an incredible one, and, and we were like, let's make a movie out of it. So <laughs> so my mom and I started writing, you know, writing the script. And years, you know, after rewrites and rewrites and revisions and years of that and script consultants and script supervisors, and finally after years, um, we had, you know, a presentable script. And um, and we got into, we got it into the hands of uh, a friend of ours or, a friend of my mom's, uh, Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker is a well-established actor, and um, he, you know, agreed to be in our movie. Um, you know, as a, as a, he was like, "Oh yeah, we'll be in your movie, sure." You know, just kind of <laughs> a, as a <laughs> as a favor to a friend. 
and then he you know showed interest in um, getting into directing so Dylan came on board to you know to do his directorial debut and when that happened you know things kind of just took off you know we got we started to get the funding we needed we got a few names attached and then uh, and then we you know made the movie two years ago and we shot it all in my hometown in Corbin um, and then um, <clears throat> we did a few film festivals we uh, we won the audience award at the Indianapolis uh, Heartland Film Festival and then uh, now we have distribution and it's coming out like you said, October 24th in 600 theaters nationwide. That's amazing. It's um, So you're growing up in Corbin, Kentucky. Can you kind of, um, first of all, like how did you, you know, when did, when did you get sort of like the artistic acting bug that you said, you know, I, I want to try this. Was it influenced by, your say, your mom? Did she have other connections to the art world or um, performance art world? No, you know, I think they just kind of came on my own, just me being just a, rambunctious kid and always wanted to like entertain people or crack jokes or just like scare people you know I was always in and I've always been a huge movie fan I mean I used to just come home from school and just veg out on the couch and just watch whatever movie and I tried to watch every movie that I could um so growing up I was definitely big into sports but when I kind of realized that that wasn't where my passion was that's uh, I think about halfway through high school I started to get into you know theater and stuff like that. What was uh, can you remember like a film or two that sort of changed your perspective on I don't know just life? You know sometimes there's a movie that you don't expect that will have like a uh, an emotional transformation for you. Do you have any like one or two films that you can remember that had an impact like that? Yeah, I mean, well, the first one that just off the top of my head is Crash. Remember the movie Crash? That was probably. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's a great movie. Um, and I just saw. We're, we're talking about we're talking movie, about the um, Paul Haggis one, right? Or the, uh, the one that was um, the, Matt Dillon. And, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there was two yeah. that came out at the same time, so I just got to make sure I'm on the right page with you. But Paul Haggis <laughs> is the the Oscar winner. Yeah, definitely. And then I just saw a really great movie last week um, uh, called Disconnect. Do you know that one with Jason I've, Bateman and? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, that's a really great... I'm, I was really, really, really surprised. Not surprised, but, you know, surprised. well, just wondered why, like, it hadn't gotten more recognition and why I hadn't heard what a great movie it was. Interesting. Before. So, you, so yeah. you, got, you threw out some uh, fairly recent ones. I thought you were going to go back and say, like, oh, yeah, I just remember Goonies or something. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Goonies is such a great movie. But, I mean, if I think about, like, movies that inspired me as far as the artistic side and the acting side, I think of like On the Waterfront, you know, oh. Marlon Brando. Okay. Any original Marlon Brando stuff, he's just, he's the man. <laughs> so even, the, did somebody introduce you to some of the older films to uh, to get that vocabulary? Uh, yeah, you know, it's through my, through my year as an acting class. I had an amazing teacher that gave us a list of, you know, actually it was, I think it was just a list of AFIs you know, top 100 films of the century. So I, I watched all 100, you know, 100 films of AFI's, the top 100. So, you know, I've seen a lot of great movies. Um, <clears throat> the Assassination of Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. That's another great one. With uh, I love that movie. I love uh, Sean Penn's role in that film. Wow. And I love any, I love any Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> Probably my favorite director. <laughs> well, there you go. Now, do you... Um... Yeah. 
you remember that feeling you had? Like, what was the first, like, actual professional job that you landed from an audition? Uh, can you remember that feeling, that emotion when you got the gig? I do, yeah. I can remember leaving the audition and, and being in the elevator, you know, going down in the elevator, going down to the parking garage. It was for, um, I had a little uh, a spot. There was a show called Dirt. On, it was on FX. It's probably been a while now. It was Courtney Cox's show. It was yeah. a show that she did after Final Two and I So I had a spot um, on an episode of that show. And I remember getting an adjustment in the room you know, they gave me um, to do the scene. So I took the adjustment, and then they were like, oh, great job, great adjustment. And so, uh, and I remember just being in the elevator, and I just had this feeling like that I had booked it, and it was just such like an overwhelming sense of joy and an accomplishment and it was just uh it was a great feeling so you didn't even know you just had you had this internal like innate like feeling like man something about this felt good and then and then when did yeah. you get the call from your agent and then i think i got the call later that day from my agent and i was just ecstatic <laughs> <laughs> so like <laughs> and then um how many days was it like a, a one day or how many days on the uh the show yeah it was it was it was one day it was you know just through i think it was like five lines or so so it wasn't even that you know big of a role but it was um i don't know it was i think it was aside from having a few lines on soap operas it was kind of my first my first you know gig on like a well, it's, you know, on, on nighttime TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. And then it just starts snowballing. Mm. Did you, um, there must, because there's all these things that have to happen as an actor, because I, I just think it's fun to take your journey as an actor, and then we can get into more about 23 Blast as it's coming out. But uh, so people can connect with you and connect with your journey. Like coming out, did you, were you going to college at Loyal Marymount? Was that it? Or did you just come straight out of high school and just uh, uh, end up in Los Angeles? Well, I, um, my, my parents, they, they wanted me to go to school. Um, you know, Corbin is a town of about 10,000 people. Um, <laughs> and they, <laughs> they weren't going to, they were not going to let me move by myself from Corbin to Los Angeles, you know? So they said, you know, why don't you go to school? That way you'll be on campus. We'll know you're safe, you know? And so, um, of the schools that I applied to, Loyola Marymount was the only one that I got into. So went to Loyola, you know, was doing the regular college thing, and um, I just, it just, I, you know, as people say, you know, college isn't for everyone, and I just, I just really wanted to focus on acting and, you know, and in, in, in television and film. Um, I, and I, I was taking theater, but I just, I had no interest whatsoever in like taking real college classes. <laughs> Yeah, I got gotcha, you. So, I got gotcha. you. So, Loyola Marymount became sort of a, a nice uh, Safeway house for you, for your parents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then, um, so you're doing some TV stint. You're you're working. You're, you know, you're fulfilling a dream. I mean, the how quickly you're able to get work is definitely you know um, a lot of people come out there. You know, and a lot of people. Uh, struggled to to make it or just get you know that one line on a show or something like that so just to have the success is uh, tremendous so then um at what point um in the, how many years had you been working as an actor to said that your mom like who who came up with the idea first was it your mom or yourself that came up like let's tell travis's story yeah you know it was i think it was her idea originally 
she had said to me, she said, oh, we should, we should write a movie about Travis. It'll make such a good movie, you know? And, um, and then, you know, it kind of got swept under the rug and then years went by. And then finally she just, um, she was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start writing it. So she started writing it a little bit and then, and then I came on board and then, and then we just kept going. She was living in Tampa, Florida. I was living out here and, you know, we would write, you know, one scene and then talk about it and make changes and we just go, you know, scene by scene. Interesting. Interesting. So again, for those, like you said, the, this, this, the plot line for like, or the synopsis for 23 Blasts is that it's based off a true story of a teammate. You were a freshman and he was a senior in high school mm-hmm. and uh, his name is Travis Freeman and he had this rare um, infection of his opti- optic mm-hmm. nerve that basically he became blind overnight. But he loved football yeah. so much. So the true story is that he ended up playing football still um, be, be, you know, regardless of his blindness. And mm-hmm. Now, I know what I've read is that the character that you play, uh, Jerry Baker, is that based off a real uh, friend of Travis or is that a sort yes. of – Oh, okay. Yeah, Jerry Baker is a real person. He is he, – um, yeah, he is a real person in Corbin. He was a friend of Travis's and he was actually kind of – you know, from us, when we talked to Travis and we were getting, you know, stories from him and, you know, while we were <clears throat> developing the script, he definitely told us that – one of the you know biggest catalysts um, for him kind of changing his life around was um, when Jerry came to visit him in the hospital. You know, Travis had been in the hospital and after he had just lost his sight, he kind of you know just didn't have any desire or will to you know to live or even you know do anything or get out of the hospital. And Jerry came by the hospital and took him out of his bed and they wheeled around in a wheelchair and kind of you know made him laugh and they had jokes and. Travis had said that, you know, after that moment, um, after spending some time with Jerry, he, he realized that, you know, things were going to be okay. Like things, you know, it wasn't the end of the world, even though he had lost his sight, you know, there was still reason to live. <clears throat> interesting. Interesting. So how, um, so how long did it take you guys to write the script? You said maybe like two years? You know, honestly, from when we first started to until we actually started filming, it was probably like four years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then let me ask you, did, did any of you, your mom, is she like have a, a writing background or do you, did you study that? Did you always write stories? Like, was it just something like, we have a story to tell, we'll figure out the format later or the structure later? Exactly. Yeah. That was kind of our thinking was, we had a great story to tell and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, in which we had, you know, people had ghost, we had a, we had a ghostwriter help us for a little bit, you know, put scenes together and, uh, cause you know, she doesn't have any um, writing background, and my only background was just my experience as an actor. Right, right. So you guys get this script in shape, and it's um, and you said your mom was friends with Dylan. And those those who don't know Dylan, we'll th- I'll throw some uh, obviously links up to um, everything you guys are doing so people can see. But he's you guys have like some heavy hitters in terms of this film of like some of the best character actors in. Te- in in, in the world working on this film. Um, you know, besides Dylan, um, you know, there's, um, as I pull this up here, I was, I, I was always a fan of, um, Timothy, uh, Busfield. Um, he's, oh, yeah. God, he's great. <laughs> amazing. I mean, his body of work and the, the films that he's done, but just to see this, the, the scenes that he was in, 
um, as the principal. Is that correct in the film? Doesn't yes. He, well, yeah. I'm sorry. He's the uh, the athletic director. Athletic director. Right. Right. So <laughs> he plays it perfectly. Some great. Just anyway, some great faces in that. So how did your mom yeah. know Dylan? Like, how did that uh, relationship uh, come about? Um, Dylan's wife, who's also an actress, her name is Becky Baker. Becky actually, she plays the um, uh, the therapist, right? The woman. Um, yes. The the kind of the blind coach. Yeah. The um, so Becky and my mom went to high school in Virginia. <laughs> uh, they were cheerleaders. Yeah, they were cheerleaders in high school. So you know they remained in touch, and so that's how that's how we made the connection with with Dylan through Becky's wife. Okay, so at least you got some. Like you said, um, at what point did Dylan decide? Like, okay, instead of just they'll act in your film, do they want to take it on and? You personally, like, where was this ride going? Like, were you, uh, besides just being the writer, I, I read somewhere, did you did you have to au- even audition for your own movie? Is that correct? I wasn't sure. Well, well we, uh, you know, when we were still kind of in the development stages, we were toying with the idea of, you know, I, if I was going to play Jerry or if I was going to play the character Travis. Um, and so I flew out to New York and met with Dylan and Dylan and I, you know, <clears throat> spent a day together and kind of got to know each other. And then he had me read uh, both roles. And after I got done, he said, and I kind of agreed, and I definitely agreed with him. It just Jerry was, Jerry, you know, seemed a better fit for me. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> so you're like, okay, I'll come out. Mm-hmm. I'll audition for my own script. <laughs> 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 and you're like, you're, you're much better fit for this. So, um for you, for your perspective, like um, who started to take the reins, and where you know, as you saw the scene progress, like how much involvement did you have um, with the producers and the production, or did, were you able to say, like, I, I helped co-write it, I'm involved with it, but all of a sudden you're watching this thing, you know, evolve and come together to become real? Um, kind of, can you give us a little bit of a journey how that went for you? Yeah, you know, once we um, <clears throat> once we had a, a solid script. You know, and Dylan was on board, and we had uh, we had <clears throat> another producer by the name of Gary Donatelli. Um, so the three the three people that uh, the film is um, under Touchdown Productions, and the three people that make up Touchdown Productions are Gary Donatelli, uh, Dylan Baker, and my mom Tony Hoover. So Gary and Dylan live in New York, and so once we kind of got things going, they kind of. Um, they kind of took the reins, you know, the, the three of them did, you know, me as a writer, I, they kind of, uh, I wouldn't say ostracized me, but they kind of just, <laughs> I was, kind of, <laughs> and, and I, I, I didn't, I wouldn't say that like I, and I wasn't like trying to be involved. I kind of just let, you know, I knew that, I knew that it was in good hands with Gary and Dylan and my mom. So I kind of just let them take the reins and, uh, and let them take control. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's definitely. So you're watching this stuff happen, and was there like sort of like a mini celebration when uh, funding was raised, or um, was it raised by private equity, or do you have any idea? Or do you, were you just like, hey, we're making this, I'm supposed to show up at this, here's my call sheet, I, I guess it's on, you know? <laughs> right. No, I, I guess it was in stages of where, where you know, we, we would shop the script around, and I would hear, okay, oh, we got like, you know, we got a few thousand here, or we got like, 
we got like 50,000 from this person, you know? And so as things started to add up, you started to get, and you had an idea of like, okay, how much do we really need to start shooting? You know? So we, we had an idea of how close we were getting. And then, and then we started doing the auditions and reading actors. And that was a lot of fun. You know, it's always fun when you're an actor and you spent so many years auditioning and being in front of the camera mm-hmm. and then to be in the room and, and, and to see actors come in and see, see how they audition. It's always a fun to flip the script like that. You and, know? Hey, let me ask you, that's a, a great point. Like, what did you learn about the process of auditioning or acting having been on the side of like walking into a room as opposed to being in the room? Uh, can you kind of give any tips or uh, tricks for any other actors as they come in? Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, some people walk in with a, everyone has a particular energy, you know, um, when they walk in the room. And so you can sense, you can sense if someone's comfortable, you know, and, and, and confident in themselves, or you can sense if someone is a little bit uneasy or a little bit nervous. And then, uh, and then I'll, and I think preparation is key, you know, it's, it's, it's so key if you can just come in and just, and if you've already done your work at home, you know, you've done your due diligence and you just come in and just, and really, you know, acting is all just about making a connection and just, you just sit down and just talk and listen, just act and react. You know, it's not, you don't have to try too hard. You just, you just listen and react. <clears throat> have you ever been on like any sort of commercial auditions where you're sort of a spokesperson or you know, like the stuff they don't teach you sort of an acting school, like, like, no, look, look awkwardly to the left and holds your hand up. So it reveals the product or anything like that. Do you, do you have any yes, experiences? Absolutely. Yes. I, I have been on those awkward auditions where you have to like, there was one for like, um, I forget what the product was, but they wanted like lumberjack looking guys. And they, <laughs> they wanted us to take our shirts off. So we had to like pose shirtless. We had to lie down like, pretending as if we were lying by a fire, you know, like a, a fireplace and just like, and they were really particular about like how we were supposed to hold our hands, like as if, cause I guess they were going to Photoshop and post, you know, put the product in our hand. So they were very particular about like posing. So yeah, there's definitely been some, some awkward commercial auditions. I always find it fascinating of those stories because there are a lot of things that just are not taught in class, you know, it's because right. in class it's very much more of the uh, prolonged or like developing a character and knowing that kind of stuff. And then you get sort of that real world, like, no, we're, we're casting for this type of commercial and this is the weird thing we need you to do. So, <laughs> but okay. So now the film's going and, um, and do you remember sort of the, um, did you guys have like a pre-production uh, launch party or was it just one day you were going to be on set and day one is shooting and like, what was the emotions for yourself and your mom? Obviously it's, you know, your mom began, was a producer on it. So it was a little bit prolonged, but was there a little bit of, mo- I always, I always love to hear these stories about people's emotions. Like, wow, this is actually happening. This step is happening. So, um, what was that feeling like? Yeah, it was very surreal, you know, to, I can still remember, you know, sitting in my, sitting down on the computer and just, you know, typing away and trying to, you know, knock out scenes, you know, when we were still writing the script and then, and then we were, you know, in the audition process and it was, okay. we were thinking like, okay, maybe, you know, I guess, I guess we are going to make this movie. And then, you know, we got our, our shoot dates and then everyone's flying to Kentucky and then like, 
yeah, it was a really surreal feeling. And, you know, to, to shoot in my hometown was pretty, pretty incredible too. Cause like I said, Colvin, it's such a small town. So it was cool to kind of, you know, come home and, 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 and shoot a movie, you know, in my hometown. Not many people can say that they did that. Yeah. Like um, home, home, hometown boy does well, comes back, brings, <laughs> brings Hollywood to the town. How was it? Um, that's actually a commitment because if Dylan and Gary are from uh, New York, um, they must have said, well, I mean, because they could have probably shot anywhere, like some other places that might have better tax rebates or whatever, but uh, decide right. to go to Cor- uh, Corbin. Um, do you remember that decision or was it was that not ever like a discussion? Like, yeah, we're going to film it where it actually happened. Yeah, you know, I, they had toyed with the idea of possibly shooting it somewhere in Florida. But once, but uh, Dylan and Gary, they went to Corbin, you know, a few months prior to kind of check it out. And they, they soon realized that, you know, Corbin is such like a, a unique, special, small town, you know, that it was definitely, you know, almost a character in the movie. So they realized that, you know, the charm uh, that, that Corbin has um, couldn't, couldn't have been duplicated. So they realized that, so, you know, they realized that <clears throat> we needed to shoot in Corbin. And the great, the great thing about a small town is, uh, you know, the mayor said, oh, sure, you guys can shoot wherever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so we had access to, we had access to the school, we had access to the hospital, you know, we didn't have to pay for any locations, you know, so that was one bonus. That's pretty amazing. So you have, um, yeah. how many days of, of production were you on? How many days were you shooting? For yourself, like. we shot. Uh, well, for myself, probably like around twenty days. Yeah, I think okay. the total. I think the total amount of shooting days were like twenty-five, give or take. So I had a, I had a few days off. Now, when it get when it went into post production and it's in the can, like how much involvement, or did, were you just getting updates, or were you getting seen like scenes put together, or what was that experience like from the time that you finished? Uh, to where it is now about to get released or um, get picked up by a distribution company or whatever the distribution plan is. Now, is Ocean Avenue Entertainment, is that the actual distributor? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure. I, I had thought that they were, the, they were the distributor, but then I had heard that they were kind of um, a middleman, so to speak. Okay, so they're, oh, gotcha. So, so what was that journey like during the post-production? What kind of involvement did you have or that experience? Um, you know, I didn't have much involvement. The kind of the kind of how it went was, um, kind of once they had, once they put kind of a first cut together, I kind of got I you know after talking to my mom, I got an idea of you know what the first cut was like, and and then it made me realize you know the the, the interesting thing when you're putting the movie together, it's kind of like you have you have a puzzle that you have to put together. And you have a thousand puzzle pieces, and the the job or the idea is to try to make the best puzzle that you can with the pieces that you have, um, because we had some great scenes that had to be cut, you know. So it's like it's like picking and choosing, you know, which scenes do you keep and which scenes do you have to cut, because you, you know you can't have a you can't have a three hour movie, you know, you can't. <laughs> so you have to break it down and cut out some stuff. So that's where. Uh, the interesting thing, I guess, is you know it's, it's, it's deciding you know which scenes to keep and which to not. Um, but that was all in the hands of <clears throat> Dylan and the other producers. But uh, I'm very happy with how the film turned out. But uh, you know, so yeah, I wasn't involved much with the post. I just I got to see kind of a first cut, 
you know, before they put the music in and any sound effects. And then I got to see, you know, afterwards when they put the music in and uh, the final cut, all that stuff. When was the first time that was like the, the most completed film? Uh, like, did you get to see it like um, just where did you see like in a screening room on a big screen TV or? Yeah, we saw, I think I saw, um, well, I saw the first cut. I got a DVD of the first cut. And so I watched that in my house. That was the that was the the version that didn't have you know the soundtrack. And then we had a little a little private screening for family and friends uh, in Los Angeles um, last year sometime. I mean, um, honestly, it might have been further, but uh, we had there's a little screening room over at um, um, I'm blanking where it's over over it's over by the Grove. Um, mm-hmm. The apartment complex over by the Grove. They have a screening room there, but uh, so that was my first time, you know. And it's always a little unnerving to uh, to see yourself on the big screen. <laughs> now, uh, have you gotten more comfortable like watching the film as a whole and not necessarily zoning in on your own performance? Yes. Yeah. Now, you know, it's, of course, as a as a writer and as an actor, you know, you start to you start to. Um, almost analyze and you start to, you know, you, you look at, you look at little things, you look like, you look at, you know, all the stuff that, you know, a director would look at, you know, and mm-hmm. then, I, but then after that, you start to just, you know, appreciate the movie as a whole, like you said. What, did you guys have like a private screening for the town of Corbin already or? We did. Yes, we did do that. Okay. Um, you got, you got to bring me through that. That must've been amazing. So give us a little rundown of like the excitement during that night. Yeah, well, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it to that. Oh, uh, okay. I, I know, but I heard, I heard it was an unbelievable turnout. Um, you know, Corbin, uh, they had they built a new a new movie theater, uh, probably f- five years ago or so, and so <clears throat> they were going to just you know show. I I, I think like uh, you know the the, the screening was going to be at like you know let's say it was at like seven o'clock. And I think like at like 6:45, like both theaters were like completely full, um, and the response was really great. Everyone loved the film, you know. It was really great. That's amazing. So we're, you know, we're doing a so in addition to the premiere in New York, we're also doing a, a homecoming premiere in Lexington, Kentucky. Ah, nice. Is that a neighboring? Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not familiar with the the geography. Give me. Is it how far away from Corbin? Uh, Lexington probably like an hour and a half oh, okay. from Corbin. Okay. Yeah, but it's the, kind of the closest big city, you could say. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in Kentucky. Now, um, when you were writing this with your mom, like at what point did you guys realize that, because you were telling Travis's story and Jerry's story, um, you know, did you, I guess, was there a tra- like a, a conscious effort to go, you know what, we have to do well because it's not like we're making up characters. Like these are these are real people. And so, was there a theme that you kind of discovered in the writing process that you could hone in on that says this is the bigger message of this film? Can you kind of share that? Yeah, you're right. And um, you know, when you're when you're telling a story about true people, you definitely have a responsibility, you know, to do it the right way or <clears throat> or give it justice, you know. And uh, we realized that kind of the the, the themes. With Travis and with Jerry, where you know Travis is, you know, um, he's a do-gooder. He's he does the right thing. Um, he's uh, he's a good Christian, 
you know, he's a great guy. Whereas on the other hand, you know, Jerry's almost the complete opposite, you know, and he has good intentions, but he does. So that was kind of the theme that, um, we tried to play throughout the film was how, even though they were opposites, you know, so to speak, that they, they still needed each other. They still supported each other. Um, they still were best friends and, <clears throat> And as you see, you know, one one can't really function without the other. They're they're almost brothers. Interesting. What kind of feedback have you gotten uh, in terms of like words? I mean, obviously inspirational because you know the work that uh, Travis continues to do, and he's in the film and and, and does that big speech. Uh, can you give us a little bit more sort of the feedback that you guys have been getting from the project? I've oh, been getting great feedback. You know, um, everyone's been really excited about it. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty incredible story, you know, for someone to overcome, <clears throat> you know, total blindness overnight. You know, sometimes we complain about little things, you know. we can Here in L.A., we complain about traffic jams, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it really just put, puts things in perspective, you know. If you, if you think you're having a bad day or you think, you know, things aren't going your way, you know, it's just... I always, I always, you know, think about people, you know, I mean, we're, we're lucky to be alive. You know, life is never, it's never guaranteed. It's never promised, you know? So Mm -hmm. each, each day when I wake up, you know, I just, I'm thankful for another day, you know? And, and so, and Travis is the same way, you know, he could have, he could have easily died. You know, the, the disease that he got that took his sight, um, has a huge high, like, death rate like 90 something percent of people that get that disease uh they're either they either die or they're left in a vegetative state yeah so you know he realized that you know that god had spared his life and so that's why he's uh gone on to i got his doctorate in in theology and he's a minister and you know he realizes that you know god has a plan for everyone and uh and uh it's it's tough to, to to complain as long as you're alive and healthy, you know. There's there's a lot worse things that you could have. Yeah, yeah. God, that's the whole thing. I think that's the, the for those who want to see the film. And in terms of like, can you imagine? Like, what, it's one thing like being born without sight. You don't have a reference, right? But it's another thing to have lived your life with the the power of sight, with the gift of sight, and then to lose it. On top of that, someone who loves football as much as Travis did and then able to work yeah. back to play it. And like you said, any relationship with Jerry in terms of him needing his buddy and all that stuff that goes with it. It's a tremendous story and, and, and it, you know, it looks, looks amazing. So, uh, congratulations. And, um, I hope you guys the best of luck when it gets released in another week and a half almost. So what, yeah, yeah we're excited. What's, uh, What's next for you? I mean, obviously, this is something that's been going on for a while, but uh, this is um, what has what has wonderful gifts have come your way uh, since the uh, the wrap up of this particular film. Uh, next for me is um, I've really gotten inspired for writing this movie. It's really inspired me to write more and also uh, get into directing. So I am uh, I'm just finishing up um, a short film that I'm uh, I mean when I say finishing finishing the script. So I'm going to shoot uh, this short film pretty soon, and uh, I really want to get into writing and directing. I feel like there's a lot more creative control, you know, when it comes to when it comes to film, so to speak. You know, if you, if you if it's your story and you've written it and then you get to direct it, 
you just you had much more control and um you know it's a lot more fun definitely and besides uh moral and brando is there certain actors that you you know you kind of look up to or like you want to mold your acting career after or you or you aspire to well as far as a career is concerned i mean i would i mean tom cruise has had i mean i don't know anyone that's had a a better career than Tom Cruise, you know, he's been, he's been around and leading man for, for 20 years longer. So, I mean, I, I, my, my favorite actors, you know, some of them are, you know, uh, I love Denzel Washington. I love Sean Penn. Um, I love, uh, of course, Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Um, but I would love to, uh, you know, if I could have, if, if anyone could have a career like Tom Cruise, <laughs> Well, he's definitely a lover of movies. I mean, he eats movies up left and right, which is why he's able to pick the right uh, projects or develop the right projects and put the right teams in in place. And he's always had that mm-hmm. as a young person, um, um, just really being keenly aware of that and where he fits into that scheme of things. So um, I wish you the best of luck and continued success. This is a th- I appreciate the time, and I will uh, share, the again, all the notes, uh, show notes with the audience, and we'll go from there. Okay, cool. All right. Hey, Bram, thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. Thank you. All right, great. Thanks, guys. All right, Brandy, thank you very much. Okay, thanks, Scott. Um, you'll tell me when it's going live, right? I will send you all the information, of course, definitely. Thank you. Okay, you guys have a good weekend. Have, have okay, a thanks, day. Scott. You too. Bye. All right, bye now. And that concluded my interview with Bram Hoover, uh, actor and screenwriter for 23 Blast. Um, that's pretty amazing. You know, you, you come out to, uh, Los Angeles and, um, you know, from a very small town in the South and able to, uh, get in, get some gigs as an actor, uh, turn around and through the inspiration of your mother, uh, start writing a story based off a true event that happened, uh, to that small town and just using the connections that they had. And they wrote a good story that got um, enough people interested and enough people rallied behind it because of the story itself uh, that it went from, you know, just an idea to a screenplay to a movie. And now it's coming out in, uh, on October 24th, 2014. Um, and, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. And it's one of those things everybody, you know, hopes and dreams for. Um, but so I wish uh, Bram the, the utmost you know, success is, you know, sounds like a good kid, doesn't he? Uh, you know, Southern upbringing, just a good head on his shoulders. And uh, so it's, uh, it'd be really fun to see where he goes from here. As always, if you like what you're hearing on um, the Film Trooper podcast, I could use a honest ratings and review on iTunes. All you have to do is go to filmtrooper.com forward slash iTunes and uh, just leave an honest ratings review. It always helps, of course. And what... You know, before I used to always say like, hey, don't go away. I've got a free gift for you. But I realized I'm going to try something new in terms of just what it means to get this equipment guide that I normally give away. Um, If you're stuck with your film project, like you're just trying to get your film project made, um, maybe take a look at this free gear guide, this equipment list guide. It's everything that I use to make a feature film with uh, for $500 with no crew. So the concept there is like, you know, if you're stuck, maybe, you know, reevaluate what your project is and maybe have too many pieces um, to the puzzle. You know, 
maybe the budget's too big, maybe the story uh, scope is too big, and you're trying to figure out what equipment, what crew to get. Well, again, it's just a matter of perspective. You can make a feature film with only $500 and uh, no crew, and you can get the uh, equipment list at freegearguide.com. Thanks again for everybody who um, stuck around and listened to the podcast. I'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.